shake your boobies. Oh boy. Show them what you got that pop pop store. Cece's been around too much. Paw Patrol. Um, hey guys, <laughs> welcome to the 13th Floor Podcast. I'm Cece. I'm Alex. I'm James. And yes, I've been watching the Paw Patrol a lot. It's your favorite show. It's a great show. You really enjoy exploring the lore. Behind each character, yes. Um, yeah. But the deep, deep and rich backstories of each pup. My favorite is Rubble, okay. hands down. Because he's like the only backstory you know. Yeah. But James, <laughs> uh, we we got a video of our daughter lecturing Alexa about <laughs> the Paw Patrol. And <laughs> it's adorable. So now I've got the Pup Pup Boogie stuck in my head. I see. But we're not here to talk about the Pup Pup Boogie this week, you guys. We're here to talk about ghost ships. Yeah. Yeah, and we're not entirely sure who submitted this topic because they did so via our website, 13thfloorpodcast.com. They fed the vase there, and they didn't submit their name. So Okay. Well, if um, you want credit some other time, let us know, and we'll uh, maybe give it to you. There's no way to verify. There's no way to verify, So maybe not. We'll have a thousand people reach out to us and say, I submitted the ghost ships topic. The entire world will try to take credit. Yeah, it's true. Maybe we can just do our hearty hellos really quickly. Get those, get those out there, and all right. I'm pulling them up right now. Is that the new sound for hearty hellos? Hearty hellos. Um, this week we're gonna say hello to everybody in Ireland. Hey. In Spain. España. Hola. And then also here in the states, I let Alex put his finger on the map today. Which, by the way, you. You got your fingerprints all over my computer screen, dude. Well, you told me to tap it, so I tapped it. He tapped Montana. So everybody in Montana, no matter where you're listening in the world, thank you for tuning in. It really means the world. So it's more hearty hellos, but yeah. James, how have you been? <laughs> been great since we last spoke. Since we last spoke. Yeah. Well, James, I'm glad to hear that you're doing well. Alex, how are you doing? Uh, I'm doing swell. I had a delicious hamburger. I'm ready to go to sleep because it was too much food. That's how I am. <laughs> I am so tired, but you know what I'm going to do after this? I'm going to watch an episode of The Circle. Oh, wow. Trashy tele... Trashy, uh... Yeah, I don't even yeah, know what that television. is. Oh, it's such a good show, James. It's a Tra- reality television show. Yeah, yeah. you know, it's not quite trashy. It's it just, not it, trashy, it does, it does feel trashy initially. It, it feels very superficial initially. The whole premise of the show, James, is that it's... Wait, do we, we just do we want to make this our icebreaker? We'll do this. We'll make this our icebreaker. But, James, the whole premise of the show is that you've got all these people who are living in these apartments completely separated from one another. The only thing they have access to is a social media network called The Circle yeah. um, that they can talk to one another through. And they can either, you know, be themselves or they can be a catfish. But the whole goal of the show is to be the last one standing because they get to vote people out each week based upon just their social media presence so yep so you can catfish people it's really cool to see people catfishing each other it's interesting because they have to stay in character and they they drop the ball yes (laughs) strategy and also like it also makes you just realize that social media like it makes you think oh yeah there are people behind all of these people that i see online so yeah. Somebody that your first impression of somebody online might not and usually is not correct. So yeah, that's also true. I mean, some people are deeper. Like you're like, oh, this person is like, 
a, this unrelatable jock and it's like, oh, they're actually like very nice and they have like a, they've had a rough life. and Yeah. Yeah. Nice <laughs> thing about that stuff. But I guess for our icebreaker, you guys, what is your favorite reality television show? I, w- I just want to know if James even has one that he likes. Yeah, James doesn't seem like a reality television shower to me. Um, yeah, hang on. Let me think about it. While that. you're thinking about it, I'll go with mine. Okay, what's yours? I think mine's just Survivor. It's the one we yeah. It's the it's the one we get most into. You, me, and my parents. We all bet on who we think is going to win. I mean, we do, we do that with one with Big Brother as well. If we watch Big Brother that year, yeah, we don't we, watch that one every we, year. We opt out. We've opted out like the last two years, mm. but we're in it this year. We're actually watching this year. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm like I always used to think. Oh, reality television is so stupid, but that's about all I watch nowadays. Now that I'm thinking I'm about sorry, it. That's all you watch. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I've got like because I love a wide array of reality television show. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um. The cooking competitions, those are kind of reality. and hmm. um, Yeah, else? you love your Food Network and all that stuff. Oh, Alone? Alone. Yeah. I love Alone. That's one that James would really like if he watched I it. I actually did try it out, and it was good. It's good. It's a good show, James. Okay, mm. I'm glad that you like that one. I think that my favorite reality television show is Survivor still, just because mm. it is so much fun to just see the strategy that these people deploy. Deploy no. during the game. Yeah. Hmm. It's good. James, what's yours? Um, if we're in, well, okay. I like Mountain Men on History Channel. It's a really fun one. And if we can include food, The Great British Bake Off, because holy moly. Oh, I oh, love man. The Great British Bake Off. Cece loves. Yeah, you can include food because that's reality television. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. I mean, if you like Property Brothers, no. good for you. <laughs> Alex is a, for some reason, Alex really has a thing against Property Brothers. I don't have a beef with Property Brothers. Something about them weirds me out. I can't put my finger on it. Yeah, it's like there's like somehow there's two of them, but they're candy. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, you guys, reality television shows. Let me know which one you like. You can always email me your answers, or you can send them to James on Instagram at Thirteenth Floor Podcast, and he will tell me what you say. Alex, why are you giggling? It was so funny. That's a dumb joke. That was a dumb joke, but you know what? High five <laughs> for making yourself Thank laugh. You. Yeah. Um. Mm-hmm. So today we're talking about ghost ships. All right. So we're going to do a live rock, paper, scissors to see who goes first. Okay, let's do it. Uh, you just shout it to the microphone. Yeah, just This is yell. the most exciting thing that's ever been done on the podcast, <laughs> so enjoy it, everybody. Yeah, James, you just have to yell <laughs> what you are doing with your hand, okay? Are we ready? <laughs> we should probably, it's two versus, one me versus you, and then you versus James. How's that Everybody's going to get it right. Okay. All right. Uh, what, paper, scissors, two. Rock, paper, scissors. Oh, right. we, we just. Well, so, all right. We both did scissors. We both did paper. Oh, oh. So paper beats rock. Thank Alex you very won. much. That means that Alex is going against James now. James, you just have to. James goes straight to the finals? This doesn't seem right. Okay, James, you ready? <laughs> yep. Okay. Boom, 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 boom. Right. Oh wait! <laughs> you gotta say what you're what you're throwing, James. Yeah, honesty system. We'll have to oh, do right. honesty system. Okay, okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I wasn't thinking about it. Okay. <laughs> rock okay. paper scissors shoot. Okay. okay. Rock, rock paper, paper scissors, scissors rock. shoot. Oh, rock. <laughs> well, CT, you gotta stop. All right, sorry. Okay, I'm stepping back. All right, you you and me, James. All yeah. right. 
Rock, paper, paper scissors, scissors, paper. Stone. <laughs> hey, I said say? stone, but it counts. <laughs> I said paper. I beat you. Yeah. Oh, oh, that's right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess that means that Alex gets to select. I'm going first. Alex is going first. Surprise, surprise. Yeah. So after after um, you go, Alex, who goes second? I want James to go second. Okay, and then okay. I go last. Yeah. All right. <laughs> All right, Alex, tell us about your ghost ship. Let us know how much you love audio rock, paper, scissors. <laughs> All right. Um, All right. So I'm doing the ghost ship, the Mary Celeste. Probably one of the more prolific ghost ships. When I looked up ghost ships on Google, everything said the Mary Celeste. And so I didn't pick it because I was like, I bet you Alex is going to do this one. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I I had several options, but this one I was like, I saw Jane. I already knew what James was doing. I don't remember you saying Mary Celeste. I was like, this is a given. Yeah. Mary Celeste, it's a big one. We can't skip the biggest one. Okay. Tell us about Mary all right. Celeste. All right. Uh, all right. It all began on, no- <laughs> <laughs> on November 7th, 1872. Captain Benjamin Briggs and his crew on the Mary Celeste. They're on a merchant ship with... Uh, cargo of like alcohol and some other goods and so they leave new york harbor for genoa italy genoa yep and he brought seven he so he brought seven crew and his wife and daughter all total 10 people <laughs> they would never reach their destination Ooh. yeah what so happened to him? so after leaving new york they've they chart everything for two weeks then the last log on the captain's journal is November 25th. At mm. least that's all that they were able to find when on, on December 5th, 1872. That's Louise's birthday minus the 1872 part. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. So they're, they're, this guy sailing through r- r- rough water and uh, this crew fi- stumbles upon the ship. The Mary Celeste. They get on. They find the notebook that has the last date of November 25th. They're looking around. Nothing's looking really weird. Uh, except for, you know, nobody's there. So it's just an empty ship. It's just this empty ship. Uh, like, the crew's clothes are still packed away. Everything's kind of in perfect order. But, again, nobody's there. Like, the ship had... The only issue was the ship had about... Three and a half feet water in the bilge, which is like in the in the lower part of the ship. Isn't the bilge an area that can like collect a little bit of water and still float? Yes. Okay. Yes. And mm-hmm. it, it's supposed to be pumped out. Uh, what was weird is that they found a disassembled pump. So somebody took the pump apart? Well, or somebody was... I'll, I'll get into that in a little bit. The low... <laughs> the, it, but yeah, so that is the lowest part of the ship that sits below the water line. <laughs> the cargo's intact. Uh, some of the barrels are empty, which it's alcohol, so maybe they just wanted to drink some alcohol or something. I don't know. But, the, I mean, the ship is still seaworthy. It's floating. It seems to be fine okay. overall. So the crew of the ship, the De Gratia, they split up. 
they assemble the crew on one ship and then the other on the other ship and they take it home because maritime law finders it's keepers yep. that's right finders keepers so the only clues about the lack of people were like i said that disassembled pump in the mm-hmm. hole that and one missing lifeboat so they clearly got in a lifeboat right well that's there's that's weird so that's I, that would be the first line of thought. So this ended up being one of the most enduring mysteries of ever in terms of the sea. I've never Maybe heard ever. of it before yeah. though. It's well, you may, you may have in like other pieces of fiction, but they didn't. <laughs> this was maybe an inspiration. Okay. But theories are like, you know, at the time theories are going everywhere. Is it sea monsters? Did, Definitely. Did they get attacked by pirates? One of them is a, a rogue, a slave was seeking revenge and took it out on the crew. Like theories are just going everywhere. So, like, what what really happened? Like, you know, we, we've got a hundred and fifty years or so of time to look back and think about what what may have happened. So, why would a perfectly seaworthy ship be abandoned with six months of food and water still on board? That's a lot of stuff. Yeah, yeah. The, I mean, everything, again, everything is stowed away. It's like, you know, a captain and his crew aren't going to abandon a ship unless it's like the direst of circumstances. So there's no reason, as far as we can tell, that he should have left. Now, And you would have thought that if maybe they got attacked, there would be like a sign of struggle on yeah. board, right? Exactly. And there is no sign of struggle because... One of the enduring theories is that maybe the crew got really drunk on the alcohol and mutinied against the captain, but there's no sign of violence on the ship. <laughs> and so, but then they're also, you know, pirates, pretty prevalent back then. All over the place. All over the place. Nope. Because again, no valuables are missing, no sign of an attack or anything <laughs> like that. Um, but the alcohol was empty, right? Just uh, just a couple barrels of it. Most okay. of the cargo was intact. Hmm. Sir Arthur and Conan Doyle had wrote a story about an ex-slave capturing the ship. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, which was uh, inspired by the Mary Celeste. Hmm. And again, you know, we said sea, sea monsters, water spouts, all these different theories. Just nothing makes any sense. One theory is that maybe the alcohol vapors kind of led to some sort of explosion. That made them think that maybe a fire was on the ship, so they abandoned it, only to like get in the boat and be like, "Oh crap!" <laughs> um, <laughs> but so, but that that's like a pretty good theory, right? You know, they're carrying all this stuff. Well, the problem with that is, turns out the hatch that would have been blown off, it was, it was still there. It was perfectly fine. It was still there. So it's just like a lot of unexplained stuff. A, a lot of weird unexplained stuff. So. Another thing that would be like a really big red flag when you see two people riding in on a ship. How do you know the people bringing that ship in didn't kill everybody? That's true. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> How do you know that they didn't do something they threw to everybody get overboard. that ship? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Which is what the people thought when they, show, when they brought the ship in. So they did a three-month investigation, the, the salvagers... And the government were looking in. They did a three-month investigation, and they're unable to find any evidence that there was any foul play at all. <laughs> and they did the the crew of the Degradia did get payment for the salvage, but they only got one sixth 
of the value of the ship because the authorities still didn't believe that nothing had happened. Yeah. <laughs> but wow. they couldn't prove it, so they had to pay him something. Mm. Yeah. They're probably like, well, I got a sixth. So. Yeah. I wish I had all of it, but at least I got something. Exactly. I mean, that's $46,000 back then. So it was Jeez. still a lot of money. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I mentioned earlier that Arthur Conan Doyle wrote that story that was inspired by it. It actually led to another investigation on the ship, but nothing was found, mm. surprisingly. And then in 2002, uh, a documentarian by the name of Anne McGregor investigated using what they call modern methods. <laughs> and she just she reconstructed the, the drift of the ghost ship, where it was found, where it was supposed to go. And she had determined that the captain had a faulty chronometer and was like hopelessly off course. Hmm. And the, she thinks that the Mary Celeste was 120 miles west of where the ship should have been. And so the captain expected to be able to sight land three days earlier. Like he's a, he's three days off course. He's lost, but he thinks he knows where he is. So he's, he changed course to try to find land. And well, they just eventually had to abandon ship because of relentless weather. Now, I don't think that quite makes a whole lot of sense, but no. here's what else she said. She said, McGregor also learned that the ship had been recently refitted and that coal dust and debris from the refitting had likely clogged the pumps that removed the water that can make it into a seaworthy ship's bilge. So <laughs> she's, she thinks she's, she's found evidence that looks like what would have caused the bilge pump to fail. They took it apart. Now, with the pump not working and there being no way to pump out water that might naturally like make its way in there, she thinks that Briggs would have decided that the ship... Even though it's off course, it's probably really close to some kind of land. She thinks Santa Maria is where it would have been close to. And so the crew would have gotten out, cut their losses, and simply try to save themselves by abandoning the ship and heading for land. Why would they leave all that food and stuff, though? Well, you can only carry so much. Exactly. Oh, awful. Life raft. You can't carry that much on a life raft. And so, like... The, the the theory is not accepted by everybody because is a it's not provable. B there's some holes in it, but they do think that the disassembled pump is a key piece of evidence in figuring out what happened. Hmm. And that's probably the closest anyone has come because no one else like there there's no concrete answer to what happened to these ten people. There's not really any way to even find out now it's just right i mean you know the ship goes floating in the water for it was gone for a week in terms of being marked in the logs Mm. or even longer than that 10 days Mm. so that's the story of the mary celeste story of the mary celeste well james what ghost ship are you talking about um i am going to be talking about two because they're both relatively short stories um Maybe even three if, if this one takes too quick. Uh, but the first one I'm going to talk about is the Octavius. Before I do that, I'm going to give a little backstory on the Jenny because it directly ties into the Octavius and they're, they're basically the same story. So here's the deal. The Jenny was a schooner, an English schooner, and nobody knows if it was even a real boat at all. Um, huh. But according to legend, the Jenny 
was trying to pass through the Drake Passage in 1823, got frozen in the ice barrier, got discovered in 1840 by a whaling ship, and the bodies aboard, because it was so cold in the Antarctic uh, waters, were preserved perfectly. So the earliest record of this is 1862 edition of Globus, which is a German geographical magazine. I just love the fact that that's a thing, and it just sounds like very German, let's be real. I don't, I don't even think our German listeners will be offended by that. It's just golly. Um, so according to one of the accounts, the ship left the Isle of Wight in 1822, and it was discovered, as I previously mentioned, in 1840, by Captain Brighton of a whaling ship called Hope. Not the Hope, just Hope. And that the log had been entered on the 17th of January, 1823, and that the last port of call had been Callao, which is near Lima, Peru. So Brighton takes the logbook with him in order to return it to the ship owners, and naturally they're not found because they're, you know, dead. So that's the story. There's no proof of this story. Fast forward to the Octavius. This one, uh, <clears throat> okay, so I'll just tell a story. 18th century <laughs> ghost ship, and according to the story, it was a three-masted schooner like the Jenny, and it was found west of Greenland by a whaling ship called Harold. So there's a similarity right there. But it was found in 1775, and they boarded it assuming, well, an empty boat. And... They found, it was just five dudes that went on board. They found uh, 28, the whole crew, below deck, frozen and perfectly preserved. So the captain's body was at his table with his pen in his hand and the captain's log in front of him. Now, this follows the Jenny legend perfectly. Like, this is just a little too much to be a coincidence. In his cabin, there was the body of a woman. A naked boy covered in a blanket, which I'll go a little bit into that here in a minute, and a sailor with a tinderbox. The boarding party just took the captain's log before leaving because they didn't want to look any further. So here's the, the thing. So the last entry says that the ship had been lost in the Arctic for 13 years. And, and the log actually, because it was frozen, numerous pages slipped from the binding, leaving only the first and last few pages, unfortunately. Um, some background on this. It left England for the Orient, which just is a very broad word, just meaning anything east of Europe, really, uh, in 1761 and got to its destination the following year. It's a long flipping voyage. But on the way back, the captain decided we could save some time, a lot of time, by going through the Northwest Passage. But they got stuck in the sea ice north of Alaska. Now, what's sad and a little comical, I guess you could say gruesomely ironic about this, is that they actually made through the Northwest Passage. But they, they made it through the Northwest Passage long after everyone on board had already frozen to death. Mm. So, yeah. they were, It was never seen again, and people started claiming to have seen it on the ocean, just like the Jenny. So people were saying they see it, and then, of course, it ultimately gets found near Greenland. So the reason why I mention all this is two things. One, it's a very creepy ghost ship story. And two, there's another ghost ship story about a ship called Jenny, the Jenny, that's incredibly, incredibly similar to a point where I think they're pretty much the same story, whether they're true or not, that has just been broken into different iterations. So that's what I think. So, I mean, basically it was just frozen for 13 years, which 
That's Oof. a long time. Um, as for the, uh, the the nude boy, that makes sense to me. And, and it, it's something you wouldn't expect to see in just some legend because it sounds like they have some understanding of what happens when people get cold because this is incredibly common. It's called paradoxical stripping. And yep. pretty much what happens if somebody gets very, very, very cold to the point of hypothermia, all the blood goes to protect the organs and keep them from dying. And as a result, it creates the illusion to the body that the exterior is extremely hot. Namely, just because uh, the interior has gotten so much warmer because all the blood's pooling in that area around the organs. So what happens is people who get really, 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 really cold in that regard start feeling really, really, really hot and they take off their clothes. And this is why uh, at the apexes of mountains, for example, it's very common to see people uh, naked and frozen. And so I think that that to me is very indicative of, of that phenomena. Yeah. And I wouldn't expect to see that in just some run-of-the-mill legend. So I think there's some credence to that. Uh, this has nothing to do with that, but I just think it's a fun little hypothermia anecdote uh, or whatever. <laughs> fun fact about hypothermia. Uh, the Ainu actually have stories about spirits that make people overcome with lust on mountaintops. And it seems pretty apparent that the stories come from the fact that, you know, the Ainu would go up to mountaintops and they would find naked people. <laughs> So I just think that's kind of a, a peculiar thing. Yeah. And uh, yeah, the other ship, I guess I do have time. I think we'll save the Flying Dutchman for another day. I'll just talk about the John Um I'm surprised nobody picked the Flying Dutchman. What the heck? So anyway, <laughs> the John Sang was an 80 meter tanker. Nobody knows where it was from, but I mean, come on. It's pretty obvious that it's probably Chinese. But anyway, um, Basically, what happened is off Waipa in Queensland, which is part of Australia, uh, an airplane actually was flying overhead, and they saw a big old tanker. And they found everything that's completely inoperable, no crew, broken tow rope, um, marks that suggest that the tow rope was removed, but no other signs of any kind of violence or theft or anything weird. So the Australian Coast Guard decides to look into it, and they couldn't find anything about the origins, okay? So they took pictures of it, and they analyzed it, and Australian Customs looked into it, and they dispatched a patrol boat. It went over, and they looked over everything, and they didn't see any indication that it was involved in crime, which was, you know, one of the immediate thoughts on the matter. Yeah. But nothing, nothing odd about it. So they actually had to make a press release eventually, and they, they told the news. They were like, we don't know what's going on here. <laughs> we don't know what its port of origin is. We don't know anything. The only thing we know is that uh, certain materials on board, in other words, crates and whatnot, suggest that the vessel is called the Jian Seng. So they think that's possible, but here's here's one thing. that. That word, Jian Sang, was actually painted over. So, mm, so anyway, mm. the only thing they really found in large quantity, notable, was rice. So they were thinking, well, maybe it was used as a resupply ship for fishing boats and whatnot, because you know you go out to sea for long periods of time and you need you know flipping uh, resources, and rice would make a lot of sense in that respect. But Ultimately, they couldn't figure anything out. So they, they monitored it for a long time, and then they just said, you know what, we're just going to tow it to uh, a uh, to Waipa on Cape York and, and call it a day. 
So that was what they did. They towed it to deep water and they scuttle it, which if you don't know what scuttling is, it's when you actually attempt, and in this case succeed, obviously, to sink a ship because it's like, you know, nobody owns it. It's floating around. It's a liability. So they sank it. They deliberately sank it. And uh, yeah. So surprised that somebody wouldn't like take it and be like, I'm going to sell it and repurpose it. Yeah, you would think. Um, and there was actually a little bit of a to-do about it politically because uh, Chris Ellison, uh, who's the Minister for Justice and Customs at the time, he said that it shows that uh, Australia was very good at finding ships that had breached Australian borders. And he claimed that it was found in Australian water, photographed by a customs plane, returned. So every all the protocol was done great. Whereas Senator Joseph William Ludwig said that uh, the fact that it wasn't intercepted earlier when it was as far south as it was, was actually a sign that we aren't doing, well, Australia is not doing a very good job of monitoring those sorts of things. And it was probably some sort of Indonesian illegal fishing vessel or drug smuggling operation. And so he was not too pleased. So it's funny how when we think of ghost ships, we usually think of like 19th century schooners and frigates or not frigates, uh, schooners and whatnot. Um, but this is a very modern tanker. You know, this was, this was in like, I don't know, 2017, 20, uh, 2006. That's right. Yeah. Usually when I think of a ghost ship, I think of something really, really old. And James, yeah. I was hoping that you might be able to shed some light on this. Cause when I was doing my research, I looked in reader's digest cause reader's digest had a list of the most interesting um, ghost ships. And that was one of them, but there was a, a mix and you actually gave a mix too: a story of a ghost ship without people. And then a ghost ship with people that had just perished on it. Mm. And so is there like, is it just the only qualification is that it's a ship that has nobody manning it? Yeah. It, it really means it's a vessel with no living crew aboard. Period. Okay. Um, which right. I guess doesn't count for like docked ships that are being, you know, worked on. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, I, I'm i going to talk about one that caught me off guard. And I'll explain that in a second. But I am going to be covering the – oh, wait one second. My, my computer sounds like a jumbo jet that's about to take off. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, ghost ships. I am going to be covering the case of a ghost ship that was found in 2016. So it's also, like James's, you think of it being like old. You, you need to get that away from the mic. Sorry, James. Ooh, no worries. You know, while you guys are doing that, I'll use this opportunity. I was going to save it for the very end. But one thing that I think causes the romanticism of ghost ships is two things. One, you're on a boat for a long period of time and you see an abandoned ship. There's something very eerie about that. But another thing that people see is floating ships, you know, even in modern times. And that's caused by an optical optical illusion called a superior mirage, which is pretty much what just happens when you look out to sea. And it's it's a very peculiar phenomenon. Have you guys ever seen a picture like that, a floating ship? I have not. Oh, it's super cool. Uh, and oftentimes it goes viral when people see that. But pretty much what happens is the uh, the horizon – if I remember right, is like further out. And so something that is incredibly far away on the ocean, you know, where, where that curvature is. Um, and because cold air is denser than warm air, it causes light to bend uh, from distant objects. 
and you know you got to remember the the sky and the ocean are very similar colors so it's easy to mix them up anyway so what ends up happening is it looks like even though it's absolutely on the surface of the water it looks like a boat far off is just straight up you know a hundred meters in the air just floating along like a flipping spaceship I need to look that up because I've oh, never yeah. heard of that before. Yeah. Well, I think... So cold air, warm ocean, floating ship. Oh, and it's also called Fata Morgana, which I think is way cooler than Superior Mirage. Fata Morgana? Yeah. Okay. Alex just pulled up my notes, so I am going to hop into mine now. Uh, I am going to be covering a ghost ship that was found in 2016, so it wasn't that long ago. It's kind of like James's last one, but... Inside was a mummified man. Yay, it was a German man named Manfred Fritz Bajorat, I think is how you say his last name. And I'll talk about him for just a second. So Manfred, he was an experienced sailor, and he had been traveling apparently around the globe in his boat for 20 years. So it's not like he was brand new to, to sailing. And I bet he was a big fan of the German geography magazine, Globus. <laughs> James, you and your jokes. Mm. Well, he, he, seeing as he traveled, he wasn't always in communication with people. Cause I imagine when you're like out in the middle of the ocean, you might not have the best cell phone reception. So he had been traveling with his wife, Claudia, and they ended up getting divorced in 2008. And she, sadly passed away from cancer about two years after that, mm. but they did have at least one child together um, because according to mensjournal.com, which, by the way, Men's Journal, thank you for scarring me for life with a shocking photo of this poor mummified man at the very top of the articles. Like, you click on the article, I'm like, oh, this is an interesting little ghost ship. Click on it. Oh, there's a picture of poor Manfred mummified sitting in his ship. <clears throat> so, that was very upsetting, James. <laughs> but... Uh, the Guardian, I also got some of my research from theguardian.com, and they gave me a warning at the top of their article that said, just FYI, there are disturbing pictures in this article. So if you don't want to see them, don't scroll down. But Men's Journal was just like, here it is. Look at him. He's mummified. We're at the very top of the page. So I had a bad dream about it, James. Can you can you believe it? <laughs> I can. He can. He can believe it. Yeah. But the last time that people saw Manfred alive – was in 2009, but he had a friend who apparently he claimed he had spoken with him on Facebook in 2015. So he was still kind of in communication with people before he passed away. Um, so we know he at least was alive and well in 2015. But then in 2016, he did sadly die on his ship uh, while he was alone. He was just floating off the coast of the Philippines. I guess technically it wasn't like right off the coast. It was about 62 miles away from the coast. Mm -hmm. But some fishermen, they're just out there minding their own business. Like, no, 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 doing whatever the heck they're doing. And then they see this boat just drifting with a broken mast. And they're like, well, that's a little bit weird. Let's, you know, go check to make sure everything's okay. So they get on the boat. There's a little bit of water in the boat, but it's still floating. The mast is broken and there's just stuff all over the place. It looks like it's been ransacked. But sitting behind a desk in the cabin was a mummified man. Mm. It was it was Manfred. And it makes me sad to like think about what his last moments were probably like on this boat, but he he was just floating around in his boat all to his lonesome and an autopsy. I guess my question for you guys is how long do you think he was mummified on a ship for? Take couple, a while guess. Couple years. Couple uh, years from James, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think it had to be to be mummified. 
mummified. I'm surprised he didn't just like. I'm surprised he mummified personally. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, I guess take, yeah, I'm, with, I'm with James. It'll take a couple years. Yeah, because Alex saw the picture of the guy. I made him look at it because I was yeah. scarred, so I had to make sure Alex was scarred too. It mm-hmm. didn't bother me as much as it did. Yeah, it doesn't. I have nothing bothers Alex, but that's why Men's Journal didn't give you a warning because they knew if I was looking at Alex, it, I'd be like, oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna <laughs> kick in your shins. <laughs> no, the forensic scientists that looked at Manfred and they did the autopsy, they found that he had only been dead for seven days or what? less. What? That's yeah, some seven. like Egyptian curse stuff. It's crazy. Yeah. I Well, I was expecting, like, I, I was kind of more expecting a story along the lines of yours, James, where it's like, oh, this has been floating through the sea for years. And there was mummi- he's mummified now. He looks like he's made of stone. He lo- Yeah, he looks like he's made of, like, gray stone. But apparently, according to the men's... Dr- what? Gray stone. He does, yeah. Gray stone. stone. There can, some stones can be brown. <laughs> Boy, don't, don't get me on stone color. Brown stones. Like the buildings. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but you know, James earlier, he, the whole reason we're using the word stone is because James said stone when he was playing rock, paper, scissors. Remember? Oh, yeah. That's it. No. <laughs> nice callback. Uh, according to Men's Journal, though, it said that a uh, quote, a combination of tropical heat, dry wind, and salty sea air can quickly preserve or mummify a corpse. So that's how it happened, you guys. It was just like the perfect setting for something like that to happen mm-hmm. and apparently the cabin was closed so there were no bugs that could get to him or anything like that so he just mummified very 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 quickly but his official cause of death was i think it was found to be a heart attack although i read in one article that it could have been a stroke but that's what happened to him he's just sitting at his little desk his little radio is sitting next to him which is probably the saddest part because if he was having a heart attack he probably could have called for help yeah but no one could have gotten to him in time no he was pretty far out but um, and get investigators, investigators were able to identify Manfred because, like, when you mummify, you lose your features, you lose your fingerprints, and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So they initially had to identify him by just looking at all of the things that were on the ship, all the stuff scattered about. Well, here's his wallet with all of his information. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> exactly. Here's his wallet. And his, he was, he wasn't wearing any clothes, but. I'm sure if he were, his his wallet would have been right in his back pocket. But apparently there was also a letter that he had written to his ex-wife on the ship, which according to to the mirror, it read, quote, 30 years we've been together on the same path. Then the power of the demons was stronger than the will to live. You're gone. May your soul find its peace. You're Manfred. So I think that he probably had some demons and things that he was dealing with just on, you know, you're sailing the world by yourself on a ship just blows my mind. I can't imagine just going out there by myself and floating on the ocean. Mm. But Manfred, he was, he was a strong soul. He was like, I'm going to do it. But while they had the items that they could identify Manfred with, they couldn't easily identify him. Cause again, his features were all gone. He had no fingerprints. So I, I know that they flew in his daughter to try to identify him. Cause they were like, we still need like positive ID on the body. So they flew his daughter into wherever they were doing all the investigation, somewhere in the Philippines. But there were also plans, and I'm not sure if any of this was actually carried out, because after just like the initial news articles about, hey, we found a mummified man on a ship, like there's like no talk of this anywhere. I couldn't Mm. find anything else on the internet about it. 
But there were plans to use this scientific method, and I can't remember the name of it. It's uh, They were going to use a caustic soda of some type on the skin to restore some of his identifying features. Mm. And they appear- what if it brought him back to life? <laughs> Alex. <laughs> now that would be crazy. But they did, they did this with another mummified person that was found on a ship. Um, I guess it was perfect conditions in that case, too. It's somebody who was hiding in some area of the ship, and they found him, and he had mummified. Oh, nice. So they were able to use this method on that body, and the plan was to do it on Manfred's body as well. So I would assume they did it since we know it was Manfred, or maybe, I don't know. But you guys, that is the story of the mummified man found off the coast of the Philippines. Trippy. Oh. Isn't that trippy? Yeah. That's crazy. That's Seven days. Seven days. It was very, very, very quick. Just to- yeah. Looking at that picture, I'm like, that took a long time. Yeah, Man. that's why I wanted to ask you because I was like, I know Alex is going to get this wrong <laughs> by asking this question. What do you quote? But is there anything that you guys want to add about ghost ships before we drop this? Um, no. We'll definitely do it again, and we'll definitely cover some of the. We'll definitely cover um, the Flying Dutchman. No, we're, we're not doing Flying Dutchman. We're just going to do every other ship except for that one. Just to <laughs> let, just to, like leave people hanging. Leave people hanging. Yeah. And then they're like, maybe next episode. Maybe. And I'm like, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right, you guys. It's time to draw from the vase. Alex, hand me. Hand me the magical vase. And this week, we're drawing from our regular community vase. Next week, though, we are going to be drawing from the Patreon vase. So... Beautiful, wonderful Patreon listeners. If you have any topics that you want to submit, definitely send them in. We don't have very many left in the Patreon base at the moment. So if there's anything that you're like, you know what I want to listen to this week, submit those on our Patreon. You know how to do it. We've talked with all of you. All right. Next week, we are talking about genetically engineered humans. And this topic was submitted to us by Philip. So Philip. Thank you for submitting this topic. I don't know much about genetically engineered humans, but mm. I'm going to learn about it for for your episode next week. Here, take that. Okay, cool. All right. So, you guys, I hope that you enjoyed our ghost ships episode. So, is there anything you guys want to add? Um, James? <sighs> <laughs> oh, that was the Flying Dutchman guest, with his guest hosting slap. Yes. <laughs> oh. All right. Uh, Who does uh, our music? Uh, music is by Grant Cook. You can find it on Amazon Music, Spotify, iTunes, YouTube Music, anywhere you listen to music. Anywhere you listen. So until next week, you guys, when we talk about genetically engineered humans for Philip, until next week, we hope that you can keep, keep it strange. strange.